Hello bees, it's me, Sarah, sending you light and love and also a bunch of things I've been super into lately that I think might be your jam. Welcome to a soft place to land. Item the first, we deserve a soft epilogue, my love, or my Bucky Barnes problem. Everyone who knows me just groaned a little bit at that title. If I've talked to you ever too much about anything, it's probably either Leverage or Bucky Barnes slash The Winter Soldier from the Marvel Universe. Some of you may assume it springs from my decade-long angry crush on Sebastian Stan, who plays him in the movies, and I tell you, that certainly didn't help. But the real problem is that Bucky Barnes fits almost perfectly into the mold of fictional characters to whom Sarah will get overly attached very quickly. Naomi Nagata from The Expanse, Donna Noble from Doctor Who, Dutt Newton from The Adventures on Amnesty, Bigwig from Watership Down, a million others. For me, there's something very meaningful about a character with whom you initially click. You start a piece of fiction and something in you just resonates. It also, to be honest, sometimes makes engaging with fiction difficult. I want Bucky to be happy. I want Donna to be happy. I want all my precious babies to be happy and I don't want anything or anyone to hurt them ever again. I haven't even rewatched Captain America Civil War in a long time because I don't want to watch that movie show what it knows about Bucky and I don't want to watch what it chooses to do about it. And it's not even that I'm mad about it, I just don't want to see it again. There's a poem that makes the rounds on Tumblr and fandom circles often that it comes from 70 Years of Sleep, a fan-written poetry cycle about Steve Rogers and Bucky Barnes is, I think, a little less well-known than the poem itself, but it makes it mean more, honestly, to me. The bit I'm thinking of goes, I think we deserve a soft epilogue, my love. We are good people and we've suffered enough. And that's what I want for my faves, a soft epilogue, loosed from their suffering. A time and a place to heal, to learn to live with the pain they have caused and the harm they have done, and to find the next right thing to do. Item the second, venom in your veins, or I promise I'm not going to talk about Critical Role very much. It's just that I've been re-watching the show during this time and it's been hitting me especially hard. It's a bunch of voice actors who play D&D together, basically. If you're an anime, video game, or internet person, you've almost certainly heard one or more of these voice actors in things. And that's all great. I'm happy to hit you up to explain the appeal or to advise you where in the first campaign to start watching. It's later than you think. But lately, I've been stuck on a line, a particular line, spoken in a particular way by a particular character. I'm struggling with how to give a little context without spoiling anything, so I'll say this speech, which I'm about to read to you, is by a character who has done horrible, horrible things in their past. They were manipulated into the choosing of them, but they still chose to do them, and they believe without question that the choices they made have doomed them. They will never be forgiven, and they will never deserve forgiveness. At least that's what they believe. Their friends have different beliefs. This character is talking to another who has recently come to light as having also made choices that, in the choosing, may have damned them forever to be unforgivable. Here's the speech. It's short, I promise, and I've cut out one instance where the speaker says the listener's name. You listen to me. I know what you are talking about. I know. And the difference between you and I is thinner than a razor. I know what it means to have other people complicate your desires and wishes. And I was like you. Was. I know what a fool I have been for years and I am looking at him as if I am looking in a mirror. You didn't account for us. Good, that is life. Shit hits you sideways in life, and no one is prepared. No one is ready. These people changed me. These people can change you. You were not born with venom in your veins. You learned it. 
You learned it. You have a rare opportunity here. One chance to save yourself. And we are offering it. And I am pleading with you to find your better self. He is still there. Maybe you and I are both damned, but we can choose to do something and leave it better than it was before. It's important, I think, to note that you were not born with venom in your veins is an iambic pentameter, which always tickles the back of my mind when I hear it, even if I don't know why. And it's important to note, too, that this is an improvised show by voice actors and that the character speaking is played by someone with a heavy background in theater and that when the actor said that line as the character, I personally burst into tears and then yelled about it for like 15 minutes to a friend who's also a big Critical Role fan and was also crying. Item the third, it was learned or all my faves are the same person for a reason. So, okay, it's getting a little heavier than I expected. We've got one more place to look before we step back out into the sunlight. Hi, I'm Sarah. Once upon a time, I was a person with a set of core sturdy beliefs. They made me who I was. Every decision I made was based on them. Every action I took, every ripple I made came from this core set of beliefs. And acting off those beliefs in the ways I was taught and shown hurt people. I hurt people. I was condescending and cruel and vicious and self-righteous. I insisted everyone live up to an example, and when they didn't, I wrote them off as failures. I believed so hard and so loud and so much that everyone who didn't believe the same rang as a liar or a bad person to me. I spent, let's say, 15 or 16 years soaked in and taught and shown that belief, and then in the space of about a year, it was ripped out of me. Over the next couple of years, I began to collapse, slow but sure, as the cornerstone and entirety of the person I was dissolved away. When you're built around a belief, and then you don't believe it anymore, and it's gone, who the hell are you? Who do you become? When you realize, as you're terrified and grieving, as you're brokenly trying to assemble shards into something like a person that you hurt people before, when you were acting out of your belief, what do you do? How do you make amends? How to reckon with the pain you caused and your at the time sincere belief that the pain was right and good justified that you were doing the right thing. That you did something terrible, many terrible somethings out of intentions that were sincere and deeply held. That the people who taught you those beliefs, that the people who encouraged them still hold those beliefs may or may not ever realize how deeply you held them too and how the damage you have done sprang so strongly from that core. How do you make friends now? How do you even deserve them? How do you live with the things you've done and said, the chances you were given and ignored, the thousands of ways you could have seen the pain you were causing and just stopped, and you didn't? There's a reason Bucky Barnes is my favorite fictional character. Item the final, no one is alone, or one another's terrible mistakes. Into the Woods has been an odd sort of touchstone in my life. In high school speech class, reading through a huge filing cabinet full of scripts to chop into monologues and duets, <clears throat> I stumbled over it. I don't know why it was even in there. It's a musical, and there wasn't at the time a musical theater program in my school. I don't think it had the musical notation in with it. Not that I can read music well enough to, you know, have done anything with it if it was there. But I, having grown up with fractured fairy tales, kept reading and got to the lyrics for the song No One Is Alone. It comes towards the end. It's two adults talking to two children about loss and grief and the ways they can shape what we see. In this little song, there are so many connected ideas about how fear and sadness and hurt can make us forget who we are. That everyone makes mistakes. That no single person has a handle on what's right or good. 
that every choice has a consequence and that every consequence leads to another choice. That our moralities are constructed around our histories and our choices. That most people are most of the time just trying to get through the world with the people they love. Witches and giants aren't the enemy. The pain we cause out of our own pain is the enemy. It can be in these times in our interconnected world so hard to choose. So hard to choose kindness over retaliation. So hard to choose justice over comfort. So hard to choose action over silence. And it can feel so alone. You, standing under a giant's shadow, choosing to listen to what the giant is saying. You, staring a witch in the face, choosing to understand the decisions she made that led her here. You, looking into your own heart, seeing how every mistake you've made and hurt you've endured has built you. Your pain, our pain, makes us in some ways. It tries to tell us what's right and what's wrong, but we still get to decide if we agree. No one is alone, not you, not us, not the people who are not on your side. And so, the song insists, since none of us are alone, we can shape the effects of our mistakes. We can make better mistakes. We decide what's right. We decide what's good. Theme music for A Soft Place to Land is Repose by Chase Miller off his album Burnout. Chase's music can be found at chasemiller.bandcamp.com. Show notes and episode transcripts are at softplacepod.tumblr.com. You can find me on Twitter at Cyrano, C-Y-R-A-N-O-H underscore. And you can listen to me jabber on as the foil to my very good friend Anna on our parenting podcast, The Parent Rap at parentrap.net. I love you very much. Take care of yourselves. See you soon.